not in Kansas anymore. You have my curiosity. Are you telling me you built a time machine? The force will be with Welcome back to Get Real, the podcast where we get real about all of our favourite pop culture, movies and TV shows. As with me as always today is my co-host, Bat Super Wonder Man, Chris. <laughs> Bat Super <laughs> Wonder Man. Have all of them together. <laughs> da, 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 da. Is it a bird? Is it a fl- plane? No, it's a bat. Wait, no, it's a woman. Wait, who is it? I don't know. It's Chris. You, you, you may think I gave that a lot more thought than what I actually did, but I came up with it like five minutes before we recorded. So there you go. I thought you came up with it on the spot, but... No, efficiency. <laughs> efficiency, Efficiency. That's what it's all about this week. Uh, this week, we're chatting all about the DC films, and we're also going to be chatting about them next week, because we're going to break this into two parts. Uh, with yeah. the anticipation of the Snyder Cut, we got a little bit of a glimpse at it today, didn't we? Yeah, Zack Snyder released a new teaser. I believe he actually released this on Twitter, which is a change. He's not using Vero. whatever that social... <laughs> Vero, that's that's what it's called. I can't even remember what it's called all the time. Did you ever sign up to Vero? No. Oh, I didn't. Because <laughs> everything to... just gets retweeted on Twitter anyway. Yeah, it's the first and only time I ever deleted a social media account was on Vero. That was strange. <laughs> so, yeah, he's released a 30-second teaser... Um, from his version of Justice League, we believe it's uh, Diana Troy, not Diana Troy. That's a different Diana character. Troy. Diana Prince. Diana, uh, Thera- Diana Troy. Yeah, Diana Troy is uh, Wonder Girl. If anybody's wondering, um, <laughs> yeah, it was Wonder Woman with a flaming torch, like going through like these ancient catacombs type things, and she finds a ancient painting of Darkseid with some cryptic words on it, and we have a voiceover from Lex Luthor doing his classic, They came from the skies! It sounds like an old man going crazy. <laughs> it came from the skies, the goddess is dead! Isn't this in Batman vs. Superman where he talks about the parademons, and it goes to that artwork on the wall? And it's all the parademons no. coming down. No, so this is actually different dialogue. So this is um, talking about after Superman's dead. Uh, okay, interesting, interesting. Um, I think it was a different version of what we got in the final scene of BVS. So, quick speculation on this little scene. Um, do you reckon yes. it's in the museum or something where she was working? Because it kind of has that little bit of a vibe, you know what I mean? It's got that whole, like... Someone possibly someone like maybe I don't know. They, they tend to link all these things, don't they? So it could be like Michelangelo well, did a a painting of oh, Dark yeah. Side, and that oh, hang on, no, it's actually a painting of Dark Side. It's, it's got writing on it, and I couldn't figure out um, off the top of my head if it was ancient Greek writing or the Greek alphabet, which I think it might have been rather than. It kind of looked almost Russian. Yeah, yeah, uh, like, but so- I think it's more likely to be Greek with it being. Wonder Woman. More like hieroglyphics and stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got like C's and weird triangles as A's and stuff like and that. And then you get that badass cut to the fight scene that we see in Justice League between the human race and obviously all the parademons and Darkseid's lot. Pretty yeah, sick. But instead of Steppenwolf, it's actually Darkseid the way he was meant to be. Pretty sick. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I, I'm not sure if it is in the museum because why would she like make like a torch from like alcohol and um like wrappings around a plank of wood why would you do that in a museum surely she's got a phone with a torch on or a torch or something like that (laughs) well that's not very dramatic would have lights on (laughs) like why would she why would she make like a handmade like adventurous torch like indiana jones style she goes into the deep basement of the museum that she works at and she like tries like shit i left i left my flashlight um okay i'll break this table leg off and i'll i'll wrap my t-shirt around it and set it on fire she tries the light switch and it doesn't work and she gets a phone out of her pocket and it's dead and it's like well you know you gotta use your god damn it tension tension mate it's all it's all about but yeah yeah, i don't know i think uh it's only a very small look and it's a very i mean it's a ballsy look because it's a big thing isn't it so it feels like a totally different vibe from the film that we got yeah like it seems like, you know, like, it seems like this ancient mystery that they're trying to solve, like, because we know Darkseid's been 
to Earth in the past. That's where the mother boxes came from and stuff. Mm. Like it feels more like it's like ingrained in like secret Earth history and stuff with like the Atlanteans and the Amazonians and stuff like that. Yeah, like it just feels more like tactile and like oh, we're uncovering something. It's not just like in the one that we got. Diana gave a speech about how there was this big war and then it turned out to just be Steppenwolf instead and yeah, it's it, just a big CGI fight. It does feel as though that this would be building more to the big bad, doesn't it? Yeah. It feels more yeah. like grounded in that sort of respect. That and you... may- Maybe it's just, I, I love adventure films as well like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it needs a bit of adventure, doesn't it? Needs a bit. Yeah. Needs a bit of it. So, we instead got... of just build a team, fight the enemy, done. <laughs> fight the big grey CGI monster, done. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to take this right back to the beginning of the DCEU, as it has now been officially, properly named the DCEU. So- some would say um, it's a very good place to start. A very good place to start where men are steel, Chris. <laughs> oh, men were made from steel, or at least one man. <laughs> one man made one from man. steel. One man. Actually, there was a few people made of steel in, towards the end of this film, wasn't there? There was, there was a whole, even yeah. a woman. Yeah, there was a whole yeah. planet made full of steel at the beginning of this film. You might be wondering what <laughs> we're talking about. We're talking about Man of Steel, <laughs> the debut film for the DCEU. Now, you're a little bit more switched on with all this stuff, and you've got a little bit more context, and you're just a little <laughs> bit more knowledgeable in terms of superhero films than what I am. So, yeah, comic books are my shtick. Yeah, that's, that's Chris's thing. So, would you say... <laughs> Well, at the time that the Man of Steel film was released, were they aware that they were going to be doing future films to tie this all in? Can you remember? Um, I don't believe so. I think when they made Man of Steel, um, it was just sort of like, one and done, maybe we'll do some more Superman films after this. But it was still up in the air whether they were starting something new or whether it was tied to the Dark Knight trilogy. Because if you notice, Christopher Nolan was involved in this as well. Yeah. Um, and Christopher Nolan, I think, helped pen the script, uh, but then sort of like it got changed that much that he just ended up as a, produ- a producer. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of up in the air. I don't think they had anything like, oh, we've got to make massive connections to other characters. That's why the there really aren't any other characters it, attached to this because it does end pretty tied up, doesn't it? He breaks Zod's neck. Yeah. There's no kind of post-credit sequence as such to set up anything. Not even any kind of Superman villain not to set up like Brainiac or anything like the that. The only the only loose end at the end of this film is who was in the one drop pod that was open inside the ship and that was revealed in a comic book, a tie-in comic book to be uh, Supergirl. Oh, okay. But then they've changed it and we don't think it is Supergirl because she's got a film that's been announced. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, because I always forget about that, and that's just one of those things that they ended up leaving. That was, but... yeah, that was like literally the only loose end in this film. Like the rest of it's tied up. It's like, right, okay, most of Metropolis is destroyed, but you know, Superman's a thing now. Do you reckon it's something that Snyder would have addressed in his version of Justice League? Because he he went all out on that. I know he's already addressing Martian Manhunter and all that kind of business, but do you reckon? he would eventually... Because obviously Justice League was meant to be split into two parts, wasn't it? It was meant to be part one, part two. So I re- Yeah, I, it was, was actually meant to be a trilogy, but it was meant to be filming part one and two back-to-back. Oh, uh, okay, I see. So wow, they really did fit three films into one film, which made the pacing <laughs> so poor. <laughs> yeah. So I always tend to find there's a bit of a theme across the DC films, especially these first four. Do you mean dark and broody? Is that the theme? Well, that is certainly a theme across these films. <laughs> but I always find that there's good casting, but bad pacing for pretty much most of them. Or there's something yeah. wrong with the plot. But the casting's yeah. always spot on. Yeah, casting is always spot on. Casting and costume design mm. is always spot on. And Zack Snyder knows how to nail a comic book panel. Yeah, and the, yeah, costume design is absolutely amazing in, in Man of Steel. Like the, uh, yeah. All the Kryptonian costumes are awesome. Especially yeah, they, they all land. kind of make sense. Yeah, especially when they land on Earth and they've got like the full kind of reminds me of uh, Aliens universe, like the uh, yeah the jockeys. Yeah, yeah, reminds me of them a little bit. Mm. Very cool. So, like, what's your overall thoughts on Man of Steel? Because I know it was really divisive when it came out. I think people have warmed to it a lot more now. So I was really late to the party on Man of Steel. I only watched it probably. 
when it was starting coming up to Batman versus Superman, I went back and watched Man of Steel because I never, to me, when it came out, and I know it sounds really daft, but a long time ago, Chris, little old me wasn't as clued up with comic books and stuff like that. It was a long, long time ago, far, far away. Yeah, I was always a Star Wars and Lord of the Rings guy, just always my jam. And I got into comic books when my the Marvel film started coming round. Mm-hmm. So it was only really Iron Man that got me into it. So when Man of Steel came out, me not being fully up to you know up to knowledge on what Superman is and and you know you know of Batman and stuff, and I've played the Arkham yeah. games, but I never really attached that as a Superman film because it was called Man of Steel. So that's why I never ended up really watching it. And then obviously right. when I got, when I went back for BVS and watched Man of Steel, I didn't have it with all the context of that diverse, you know, people feeling really mixed on it. So yeah. when I first watched it, I kind of enjoyed how it was a lot a lot darker and broodier because mm-hmm. I was used to the whole positive and, you know, happy-go-cheery nature that the Marvel films kind of had and the comedy side of all that. So, yeah, I feel, th- I feel the same way with comic books, like... DC is always darker. Mm. Like it always, it's always darker. Like Marvel's the light-hearted stuff that you can share with your kids and stuff. Whereas half the Batman stuff I've got on my shelf, I wouldn't let a kid read. <laughs> no, yeah, hundred percent. You know, Joker, especially the Joker detectives cut, comics. Yeah, Joker, t- you know, cuts his face off and stitches it back onto himself. You wouldn't let mm. anyone read that. Who's like <laughs> sensitive? You know what I mean? It's like you yeah. just wouldn't. So, to me, that Man of Steel had the same kind of broodiness that, to the extent of what something like Lord of the Rings went to, like the the same level of kind of darkness and moodiness of that, it wasn't million yeah. miles away. So, I really, really liked Man of Steel, and I'm one who kind of liked Batman versus Superman up through its flaws. It had a really good really good premise i think and it had the characters and the takes that it had on the characters and you know the fact that superman in man of steel was this really troubled person and he lost his you know he lost his dad and all that kind of business is how we saw it on the screen i actually really enjoyed yeah i i still really like man of steel it it, it has got some problems to it but i think it's still sort of nailed like it's his first year. It reminded me a lot more of the Earth One Superman, sort of like he kind of wants to hide away until he realizes that this threat is partially his fault, like because he is an alien on an alien planet. Like he needs to step up and do the right thing. I like all the flashback stuff, like the coming of age stuff. The only real problem for me is how uh, Pa Kent died, like with the hurricane. That was like the only issue for me. I, I wasn't bothered that he killed Zod. Yeah, no, I wasn't, because it would make sense. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, like, they're saying, like, just move his head in the other direction. you got two superpowers. Like, it's an immovable object versus an unstoppable force at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You see that in the fight, like, they're constantly equals on everything. Yeah, which like, is why they end up so flying in half a city, you know? So. Exactly, and at that point, like, he had a family cornered, so he just did, like, the only thing he thought he had chance to do, and that is what taught superman to change like that's why superman in bvs is never going for the kill shot on anything until he has to with doomsday yeah which is the whole point of doomsday as a character is it's an unstoppable force that superman literally has to sacrifice himself to be like he's mm. like the only way this can be stopped is to be killed mm. and it's gonna kill me in the process yeah, yeah. So so it was only the hurricane that bothered me, really. <laughs> yeah, because that kind of felt like he didn't... It was almost like a dream sequence. Like, he didn't really die. And I think that was just because they didn't want... They wanted to do it a bit tastefully, I think. They didn't want him to yeah. get, like, hit by a tree and flew into the hurricane or anything crazy like that. Just get him, like, yeah. disappear into it. I think... Because everybody calls back to the Christopher Reeves Superman films, and it's like, he dies of a heart attack and... That teaches Superman that you can't save everybody, but you've got a gift. You may as well save the people that you can. Yeah, for sure. Like, it, like it, it was a hard lesson that he had to learn. Like having these immense powers can't stop everything. Mm. So do what you can for the people that you can. So back to Henry Cavill. While we're on topic of him, Ugh. he was born to play Superman. We spoke about this before, but he's just perfect. This is why we keep coming back to casting because he was <laughs> literally so spot on. Have you ever seen Henry Cavill before he got jacked? No, and I don't. I don't know what else the, he did. There before. is 
Superman. There is a version of him without muscles, believe it or not. <laughs> a version. <laughs> pre-alpha, yeah, like, pre-alpha uh, Henry Cavill. Yeah, literally. It was a beta build of Henry Cavill. <laughs> like, because um, he did Immortals just before he did Man of Steel. So he got jacked for that because he was playing a demigod. Um, but not quite as jacked as he got for Superman. Like, when he was playing Superman, he was just there like... Oh, my word. I- I'm going to be the rippest man ever. Are you looking at skinny Henry Cavill now? Yeah, he kind of looks a bit like John Mayer, in a way. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> it just feels wrong. Like, we say, like, he was born to play this role. It's like, personality-wise, yeah, he has always been Superman. He- he's kind of done, like, the Steve Rogers, like, Captain America thing. Like, he was... Like a bit of a like a like a slim built guy, like mild mannered, like he had a heart of gold, and then he was just like, "Now I'm gonna get fucking jacked." <laughs> yeah, there's a picture of him in there in 2002, and it was he was told that he was too chubby to play to play James Bond before Daniel Craig got the role. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Imagine telling Henry Cavill that he's uh, too chubby to play James Bond now. <laughs> after you've seen him in that what was that film that he was in with army hammer the man called uncle, uh, a man called yeah uncle. the man from uncle yeah the man from uncle he's ace in that he could totally be james bond yeah definitely like watch him in mission impossible yeah you could believe a man could do anything yeah he's an absolute like, yeah, powerhouse <laughs> the casting is always amazing in these films yeah, because like, you had you had got Amy Adams in there as well, Oscar nominated, Oscar winning. Oh yeah, and Kevin Costner and Russell Crowe. Yeah, Michael Shannon, absolute just a list cast, really really good yeah. cast. And I think it's because like they believed in the script, like it, like people think it's problematic and stuff like that. But the script as a whole is fine. It's just sort of like. How much level of destruction do you agree with Superman? Well, well, this is it. When I said before that casting's usually spot on, and the problems are sometimes pacing. I think sometimes the problems screenplay as well. I always yeah. think maybe what they adapt from the script into the screen doesn't doesn't work. And I think that it's the same with things. Well, that most of the films that we're going to talk about now have issues with screenplay and pacing in their own ways. But the story's fine. It's just they yeah. decide to pace parts of it the wrong way it's like it's like man of steel has good pacing in a way because of where the action scene is where how long that action scene is and that final Mm -hmm. confrontation and the build-up and everything and you're not rushing the intro and it flows and you've clearly got an act one act two and act three in there you know what i mean where yeah, and the- I th- and I think like the the flashback stuff to him being a kid and him being an adult with powers as well, like they all really work. Mm. Like the the screenplay like is all right. Like the dialogue's fine. I think it's just like a few people's decision, like opinions of how far it goes with stuff. Like we said, the destruction with Superman killing and stuff like that. Like a few people have got issues with. To me, it didn't really bother me. Like, it's Superman's first outing. He's going to make mistakes, and that informed what the character became then. Yeah, and you have to modernise him to an extent, right? It's not it's not a comic book universe. You're trying to adapt it to real life. Yeah, in comic books, mm-hmm. the, you, you know, morals and stuff are a massive thing, and you wouldn't have a comic book where Superman, you know, kills somebody as such. Or you might do. You've, you've read a lot more comics than what I have. Yeah. But, in in real life, you know, how do you how would you stop someone like Zod? You would, you know, you'd have to put an end to him. You're not going to talk yeah. him out of it. You're not going to give him a big revelation where he decides not to laser burn a family to death. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's like, well, how else could you have played that out where it makes sense in the script? Yeah, definitely. And like at the end of the day, this is a bit of a darker Superman. This is trunks on the inside Superman. This isn't Christopher Reeves like red underoos. Mm, yeah, like, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, so it's a it's a grown up Superman, isn't it? It's like, look, and, let's put him in the real world and deal with the real world, kid. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. And people say it's like dark and brooding. I think it's definitely a bit of a 
I think it's more comic booky and lighter tone than the Dark Knight trilogy was. Yeah. Like, the Dark Knight trilogy was real dark at times. Yeah, and it did try to implant stuff more into the real world in the Dark Knight trilogy, where, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have things from outer space and you don't have Bane having the venom serum and stuff like that. You're just you're just making them as what they would be in real life, which is an in you know which we've talked about in the past but makes it a different kind of watch and that's what makes it stand so differently away from the dcu where this is trying to be more comic book accurate but obviously you're gonna have you're gonna have things that aren't you're not gonna yeah. go balls to the and, wall like marvel did and do all the cosmic stuff until no you try and models anyway you don't just want the same comic book arcs told directly again on the screen exactly how they were yeah we want to see our favorite arcs depicted on screen but you want them to change stuff so that it's actually interesting and you don't know everything that's happening going in yeah so like this was a different retelling of the superman origin and i think it was a pretty damn good one would you want to see a sequel to this like a a superman 2 like standalone uh yeah you know what i'd like to see it with maybe supergirl and then give give him a really big villain. Give him Brainiac. Like in, I was literally in about to say Brainiac. Yeah, I you, think would be to. the best yeah. sequel to this. On, have on, you seen all the fan art of Jude Law playing Brainiac? I've not, no, but I bet that looks mm. really good. Yeah. I'd almost like to see an Injustice film. Like, because they're doing... Because the DCU's in a bit of a weird place at the minute in terms of what's going to be canon and what's not, I'd love to just see the same characters obviously if we can't get ben affleck same actors yeah the same actors sorry yeah um in an injustice style thing like i'd love to see jared leto's joker with henry cavill's superman with ben affleck's batman and see that storyline from injustice 2 play out i just think that they're that different characters that if you gave them the chance it would probably be really good on screen but that's yeah, a bit yeah. of a controversial I think that's thing. why there's I think that's why they're still pushing Flashpoint at the moment so that we get to see a different version of these characters in like an alternate dimension. I think that's where you dip the toe in is you use Flashpoint to explain multiple realities to the basic cinema goer and then maybe they'll do like the different worlds of DC stuff like they were throwing around the idea of a Red Sun Superman and stuff like that. Mm. So, so three oh hang on, we need to do our infamous rating system, Chris, that <laughs> changes every time we talk about a different film. I was about to say, I don't know what this is yet. Hit me with it. So it's DCU or DC Boo. <laughs> Not DC Poo? Oh, DC Poo. Yeah, alright, DC Poo. <laughs> DC Poo. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll um, adapt. I would give this a DCU. Yeah. I like this film. I give it a DC, a- yeah, WDCU. It sat proudly on my comic book shelf. Like I do like this film. Yeah, <laughs> I like this film a lot. So we'll uh, we'll we'll pull the handbrake on Man of Steel and we'll shift three years later into a even more controversial film: uh, Batman versus Superman. Chris. Oh boy! <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> this film was a trash fire of a release. Like, like just the release and like everything surrounding the release i'm not even talking about the film like people's expectations versus how people perceive the film and then just like people trashing the film like pretty unnecessarily and also we knew it got like re-edits and stuff so like certain plot points didn't quite make sense and people just blew everything way out the water and were like oh god like what the hell is happening before you even went in to watch this film it was like what the fuck this film should have been great it should have been hit the cinema and it should have been the the pinnacle of the DC. This should have, yeah. It should have been their first answer to the Avengers. Yeah, the only problem was is they were trying to do the Avengers in two films instead of five, you know what I mean? They didn't have yeah. all that world building there to do it. And I think that's probably more of a, uh, you know, an executive's move kind of wanting to really quickly get on par with where Marvel was but the thing is mm-hmm. is Marvel took its time to build those you to build those characters to build the stakes and build the relationships and the background and all that kind of business and then they tried to do this you know you're trying to introduce Batman in one film 
and then have him meet Superman in that same film. It's just, it's too much. It was See, like, I think everybody knows who Batman is, so I don't think introducing him was the reason. I think it was convoluted setting stakes. Like, like uh, I mean, they set the stakes pretty well in that opening scene when he, like, sees Metropolis being destroyed and stuff, and he's like, oh, this guy might not be a great guy. But then, like, if you just stop, like, they've got him saying, like, he's a bad guy interlaced with footage of him literally saving the rest of the world. <laughs> like, just stop and think, like, who might be the bad guy? The guy that's just unleashed a massive demon upon the world and has kidnapped somebody's mom. Or maybe it's the Superman who's saving everyone. Yeah, and at the same time, you think Bruce Wayne would have, as his character, would have more of a clue and be able to distinct what Superman's situation was and why those things happened. Yeah, Instead, I think, it- like you said, there's major pacing issues with this film. Mm. Like, they try to do too much in one film, like you're saying, and, like... Why bring in Death of Superman with Batman versus Superman with Lex Luthor with everything like that with Dark Knight Returns? This like, is it. This is why it was too much in one film. And sometimes it's not about it's not about making you know trying to push it all into a really long film. It's about having that time to build it up and learn from mistakes. And the problem was, is they did too much in one film. They had to learn from stuff and they can't, they don't have the opportunity to go and do it again. Yeah. So they they didn't have the opportunity to listen to what people said about big gray monsters and go and fix doomsday. (laughs) They didn't have the opportunity to fix the, you know, the tone of the films. Well, yeah. they did. They fixed it, and it went the complete wrong way for the type of film <laughs> they, they were going to use. They didn't fix. They course corrected. They did a big old fucking handbrake turn in a Batmobile, destroying a boat. Yeah, like, <laughs> is what they did. It's like if you gave if you gave time for the first to do a first Batman film with Ben Affleck. It's like you should have done that first and not and put Superman on hold or have him introduced in a post credit sequence and then. And then you can lead up to Dawn of Justice, you know? Like, I know we don't need another Batman Origins film, but maybe just at least a film with him, with one of his rogues gallery. Just, See, just, like, to, build, just to build yourself and just to... You know, Batman's on screen are a big change. It's like how, well, you know, everyone's going to expect a Robert Pattinson Batman. It's like that's going to be a big change to what we've been used to with Christian Bale and Ben Affleck now. Yeah, and see, for me, the issues with this film was how they treated Superman more than anything. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Doing the death of Superman, and also Superman just never talks about any of the issues. Like he just sort of stands there menacingly, like threatening Batman. Why is he threatening Batman? Because fucking Lex Luthor's doing shenanigans. Like he could have easily saved his mum type thing. Like they just treat Superman like crap in this film for no reason, just to set him up as like a pseudo antagonist. Just yeah. to then have a, f- a fake redemption. We all know Superman's a good guy. He doesn't need redemption by killing Doomsday and killing himself. You really like, didn't need... you re- As much potential as I think Jesse Eisenberg had as Lex Luthor, I just think that he was just wasted. He was yeah, it was his of- dialogue was just shocking. He was just speaking in proverbs and tongues all the time. Yeah, yeah, he should have been. He should have just had a villainous role himself. Mm-hmm. Have him get in his big mech suit. That his version of Lex Luthor should have been how he was at the end of Justice League. Yeah, like a bit more like the Gene Hackman one. Like I, I appreciated the new take, but they lent too far into the weird Zuckerberg type thing. Like have him just be like a normal Zuckerberg, just trying to do something evil. Like, mm. instead of then making him to be some, like, wise old sage at the same time. Like, he doesn't say a normal sentence without it having some sort of abstract proverb in it. And yeah. I think that's where they really lost people on that character. Yeah, and this is it. Like, we're, I feel like we've talked, like, f- like, a load of completely different things. And you have to remember, this was all tried to put into one film. <laughs> it's, like, it's so much. And then they, they fixed it, kind of, with the ultimate cut, if you remember. Did you ever yep. sit down and watch that three-and-a-half-hour film? 
I did. <laughs> I did. That's the version of it that I own, yeah. So, yeah, same. So that was a better version, but fuck me. You shouldn't have to sit down and watch three and a half hours of something for it to be well, good. Yeah, like, most people's issues, like, they said their issue were, like, the plot holes in it. And yet the plot holes, like, why were these the scenes that were cut as opposed to other stuff? Like, there's plenty of other things in that film you could have got rid of. Get rid of setting up the fucking Justice League because it doesn't make sense. Why is fucking Lex Luthor creating the Justice League? Why is he creating their fucking logos that ends up on the costumes? Yeah, well, it doesn't make sense. It's him. He, like, he's using research of metahumans, isn't he? So it's, yeah. it's Batman that goes and gathers them to then form the Justice League. So he just uses Lex Luthor's research. It just so happens to be that his code symbols or whatever end up being their symbols. <laughs> yeah, like but... the, there's so much stuff in that film that could have been taken out to f- explain more of the plot of like um, Lois Lane doing the whole stuff with the bullet, trying to prove his innocence and stuff. Because a lot, I, I forgot how much of this film is like trying to paint Superman out as if like he killed these guys who, if you do a two second autopsy, they were shot. They weren't <laughs> laser beamed to death. Yeah. yeah, they were burned after the fact. Like a normal autopsy would have told you that. But then people will say like, oh, but Lex Luthor like manipulated everything. They've not it's been like, punched well, this- like a freight train and had all their insides shattered. Have they? It's like <laughs> exactly like, and this was explained in the ultimate cut. So why was that left out the theatrical cut? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, the whole thing about, like, why didn't he see the bomb in the wheelchair? A, he probably wasn't looking for a bomb in a wheelchair. From a guy that he already feels guilty about being injured, he's not then going to go suspecting this guy. Mm. And then, like, they explain in the ultimate cut, it's like, oh, Lex Luthor gave him this lead-lined wheelchair so that Superman couldn't see the bomb. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, come on. Do, like, there was just certain things in this film that we didn't need. And I think the biggest thing for me that I didn't need was the death of Superman. Like, We didn't need it in this film at all. Like, death of Superman in the 90s was such a big thing. It was on actual news television and the front page of every newspaper in New York when it happened. Like, like because this was a character that we had 40, 50 years worth of history with, and it was a character that we learned to love and everything like that. Obviously, Superman, like, even though it's a new version of Superman that we've only had one film with before, people have still got this attachment to Superman because, like I said, he's been there for 40, 50 years. Yeah. But the reason the comic book worked is because in comic books, like, people died and they stayed dead. Like, the people never seemed to die. And when they did, they stayed dead. Like, you had Captain Marvel died of cancer and he stayed fucking dead. And then stuff like that. And then you had the death of Superman, and they're like, this is the thing, Superman is dead now. So, like, it was a big thing. Whereas in this, uh, and then after that, that just broke comic books forever because everybody just came back from the dead then. Mm. So in this film, there was no stakes. We knew Superman would be back for Justice League. Like, we knew all this, and it didn't even give his, like, death chance to breathe no, or anything. because by the end of the film, you see the rocks levitate on his coffin. It doesn't even that w- give you... That till... was literally for just the people who don't read comic books and were like, oh, well, Superman's dead now. I don't need to see any more films because I only liked Superman. That was just their way of bringing back people who don't read comic books. But, like, just don't kill off your lead character in a film just to bring him back in such a shit way in the next film. Yeah, 100%. And it's one of those things. It was like when we saw the rocks levitate off the coffin in the cinema, you have that moment where you've seen it there and then and you're like, whoa. But then when you think about it and you take time to digest the film and you take that excitement away from it, you're like, yeah, no, it's not. it's not good. And also, in hindsight as well, like going back and looking at Doomsday, because this is why they didn't need to do... On top of it also being so soon, Doomsday is such a cool character, and they just rushed him. Like, yeah. into, like, like he didn't have to be a big grey CGI cave troll. He was literally the cave troll from Moria in Fellowship of the Ring. Before He was literally... Yeah, like... that. Um, the ones from The Hobbit, I think they actually just reused, like, the assets from The Hobbit, like, for the base of it. If you notice, like, it looks exactly the same. You know, the ones that get turned to stone in the first Hobbit film. Yeah, and it's like, when you look at Doomsday, he's almost like an organic Megatron. 
do you get what I mean with all like the <laughs> the horns and bones sticking out of yeah. him? You know, it, so it, he's meant to look crazy, and it just re- it just really falls flat for me. Yeah, like Doomsday evolves. Like the more you damage him, the more like bone like and everything like that he gets. Whereas you see that a tiny bit in the film, but not enough for it to make any sense because it's so fucking dark and there's just fire everywhere. You can't fucking see it anyway. It's just a shit final fight. Like, you get a couple cool moments. Like, Wonder Woman seems way too into it. Yeah, she's, like, smiling and enjoying it, isn't she? (laughs) And, like, Batman (laughs) is fucking... (laughs) (laughs) That is a good theme. Like, that is the only memorable theme for a DC character. Yeah. Like, in these films. Like, they had to bring back the old themes for Batman and Superman just so that people would recognise the music. So you want to talk about course corrections. So everybody's biggest thing with Man of Steel was the fact that they leveled Metropolis and killed thousands of people and Superman shouldn't do this. So there are no stakes to this final fight because Doomsday is just trapped on this fucking island and he's not done anything that's threatened anybody. Like, he's not a threat. No, he's just he's just not even in the city, is he? Uh- no, and they just point out multiple times, it's like, oh, he's on an abandoned island, it's okay, the innocents aren't there, the only people that were on this island have gone home. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> like, it's, it's literally, it's so shoehorned in, it's like, right, yeah, no there's, one's gonna get hurt, alright, well, let's... There's no threat, the whole point of the Doomsday storyline in Death of Superman is, he fucking ransacks his way across America, killing thousands of people, and he makes it to Metropolis, where he's just about to destroy all of Metropolis, so Superman does the only thing that he can do, and dies to kill the guy, like, that's... It's the only way it works. Yeah, it's a big oops. It's a big old Ugh. oops. Like, just take all the stakes out of your biggest villain so far. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so in that one film, you you, you fucked off Lex Luthor, you fucked off Doomsday, you know, you even <laughs> fucked off one of your biggest heroes. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. Fucking... Like, every supporting character or anybody who has any sort of significance to the Superman mythos in this film just gets shafted. Jimmy Olsen gets killed in the first scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he gets absolutely taken out, doesn't he, in the desert. Yeah. And, and Jimmy Olsen's all of a sudden a fucking CIA spy or something. And it's such a shame because in this film, there are moments where the visuals are just absolutely iconic. Like, yes. when Superman has died, you've got Batman walking down over the over that rubble, and it's just, it's so good. Like, that shot is so good. And you've got the three crosses in the background. We get it. We get it. Yeah. Superman's a Christ-like figure. You keep telling us this. Yeah. We get it. You know, and it works. He's he sacrificed himself for people, but the rest of your film just spoils it. Yeah, that's it. This it's so much potential, and then it's just ruined by screenplay, and it's ruined by just plot. And yeah, it was just convoluted. It was just too much. Like, like there are really good elements of this film, and like like we said, it's mostly the casting and people's acting, and it was good. Yeah, but like there's just too much wrong with it because gal gadot was awesome as wonder woman in this is our first look and right. you also you, and you, also... you want to talk about people born to play roles <laughs> <laughs> gal gadot has been wonder woman her entire life and people didn't realize it until she showed up in a wonder woman costume <laughs> right well we're going to talk about that when we get on to wonder woman because that's the last film yeah. we're going to talk about you, and then if you want about convoluted fucking films that are terrible and got fucked up by the studio boy have we got a next film for you really quickly before we move on to that because i just really want to quickly remind you that we did get ezra miller's flash and jason momoa's aquaman in batman versus superman as well so if you weren't trying to shove enough into the film you then also got the flashback dream sequence flash the nightmare realm yeah you got that and then then you got ezra miller's flash talking to him in some kind of crazy time travel suit which just nothing comes of it. And it's like, oh, you set up something so good there, and why didn't you just focus on that and the okay. nightmare realm? And oh, there's so. This film was just packed full of good, bad, just why stuff. <laughs> okay, right. When we get onto Justice League, remind me to talk about The Flash. Okay. Because. <laughs> 
this is a thing for me, right? The Flash in these films are a thing for me, and... Can I can I just ask you, Chris? That is definitely Ezra Miller in that little lightning bit. Yeah, it, it? is because it yeah. doesn't look like Ezra Miller at all. He's got because he's got a beard and a mustache, and he was just wearing a like you know like a digital CGI suit like with the ping pong balls on, and then they put an entirely fake costume on him and an entirely fake helmet. That's why it doesn't look like him because he's not even wearing a flash suit, is he? he no, I think he like a flash suit. I think he was in the middle. Um, he was in Stanford Prison Experiment, wasn't he? I think he did this cameo at the same time as shooting ah. that. So he's got like the scruffy like beard thing that he had in that. Maybe that's what uh, the Flash looks like when Doomsday brings the apocalypse to <laughs> the he just, planet. Yeah. Like, there's, there's no reason why the Flash can't shave because he can do anything in a split second. So it's not like he, he says he doesn't have time because he's too busy fighting crime. Yeah. You, like, you could shave in less than a second. <laughs> Anyway, I wanted to really cover off those bits because the night, yeah. the nightmare realm was really cool, and you had the big. It Omega was cool. Symbol. That was your taste of injustice. I think that's as much injustice as you're getting just, on the big screen oh, know, for but, ten years but plus. Just, just give us that as a film. Why not? Just, just. I think we're more likely to get an animated version of it first. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll which be is just a... the cutscenes from the game. <laughs> well, we'll be getting a new injustice for a uh, game at some point with all the next gen stuff coming out. Because they won't Hopefully. be doing a Mortal Kombat anytime soon. It'll be Injustice next. Well, we've just had Mortal Kombat 11, so... Yeah, yeah, another Injustice No, we'll get five more Marvel versus Capcom games first. Are you <laughs> Xbox Series X or PlayStation 5? Let us know. Uh, Xbox at the moment. Yeah. Even though even though Sony's got Spider-Man and stuff like that, yeah, the exclusives look good, but we've always been fucking xbox kids we love halo too much I know. Gears it, it might have been the first console that took me over but once i saw it i was a bit like eh, uh, no the design is horrible i'm not too fond i like, know like, i know that they're trying to break the whole because if you look at console design over the last three generations it's not been very amazing it's just it's been, just gone to black boxes that just work well <laughs> it's just been practical it's been practical yeah. and now they're trying to go clearly trying to make something more of a design and more of a centerpiece yeah but it's like, like i like the design but it's not efficient to have on anybody's fucking desk or anybody's home entertainment system i'm gonna be honest neither of them look pretty uh that even that series x is just like a tower and it's like yeah but it can be put sideways they've already said that oh, you can put it sideways thank goodness and it's also it's smaller than the ps5 as well like it's just a little box you can hide behind your tv if you fucking want okay like Very it good. works where it's the fucking X- playstation 5 <laughs> the playstation 5 can go on its side as well though <laughs> Yeah, but it just doesn't look good. <laughs> like, like, like you can't, like, if you really needed to, like, I could fit a TV on top of my Xbox One. I could probably fit one on top of a Series X. You can't fucking balance anything on top of that, can you? <laughs> you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be balancing like, anything on top of your consoles. No, no, but some people have to. Like, some people have got very small, like, gaming spaces. Like, they don't have amazing setups. Like... The Xbox One, you can put it next to your Virgin Media TV box, like in a little tiny cabinet in the living room, and it just works. It's fine. You just leave it there. If you'd like to and hear it- us talk uh, gaming consoles and video <laughs> games, let us know. <laughs> yeah, and we, we we might start a new podcast. I don't know. A sister podcast, a Twitch maybe? channel, a YouTube. <laughs> we could do a youtube we could talk gaming anyway that's enough of that talk onto something else that looks like fucking garbage <laughs> fucking suicide squad was a film wasn't it <laughs> goodness me take it away take it away <laughs> right the cast in this film again is too good for the film that they're in <laughs> You've got an Academy Award winning Viola Davis. You've got Academy Award winning fucking Margot Robbie. You've got Academy Award winning Will Smith. You've got Ben Affleck. (laughs) You've got characters that are interesting. And it's just none of those things. This film is none of those things. It's not interesting. It's bland. It's it's really exciting to look at for the first five minutes, and then it's really bland to look at. Yeah. Like, you hate these characters after they leave fucking prison. <laughs> I yeah. think I've clipped my mic with how, like, annoyed I was. You'll get this. how angry he was at it, because it'll just be like... <laughs> 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 
Oh man, what a <laughs> what a film that's gone through a what a journey. Like we spoke well, about I, this on our um, alternative cuts, didn't we? But yeah, we talked so much about moly, this. Holy like, moly, this film should have been a completely different film. It like there's a different film out there for this. It's Justice League all over again. But I think Justice League had more of a potential to be good than this did. I think even the best version of Suicide Squad is still fine. <laughs> 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 and, a, and a film that costs like half a billion fucking dollars shouldn't be fine it should be the best fucking thing you've ever paid to see in a cinema because going to the cinema is not cheap anymore but we do it because we love films and guess what we fucking hate this film this oh, film God. is a guide on how to bring a character into a universe and absolutely ruin them which is the joker in this film like this film was the embodiment of its own character. This film was Crossbones. Not Crossbones. Fucking, what was his name called? Slipknot. Slipknot. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> this film was Slipknot. <laughs> like, you introduce it two seconds later, its fucking head gets blown off. In my head, I've just got, like, one of, you know those memes that people make where they just put a title of something over something's face? <laughs> It's like that, like that kid where he, that dad that's got the barbecue and it puts like films over the kids' faces yeah, and he starts beating them up. All I can imagine is the Suicide Squad logo over Slipknot's face when he repels up and then gets blasted out of the sky. Uh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like right, yeah, the thing is, I think the same year this came out, we had a Suicide Squad film, um, like Escape from Arkham, I think it was, an animated film, which was a million times better as a Suicide Squad film. Yeah, and like, you, all you have to do is like look at the Suicide Squad comics to see what it could have been. Like, you just need to look at some of the panels out of there and think, well, what did we actually get? Like, yeah, don't get me wrong, Will Smith's Deadshot is cool. Um, Harley Quinn, cool. Jared like, Leto's Joker. We know Harley yeah. Quinn works because she's in another film, which was infinitely better than this film. It might not have been the best film, but it was infinitely better than this. Yeah, and it had and it had lower stakes in that film as well, and yeah. it was still better. And it didn't have to have an A list villain in it, like it had the Joker. It was better. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, can we all just admit as well, Cara Delevingne is fine in everything but acting. <laughs> like, she's a great model. She's a great brand ambassador. She's great on Instagram. She's not a good actress. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything that I've enjoyed a performance you in. You know what? She'd probably be fine in something that isn't Valerian and isn't Suicide Squad. Like her um, as, like, say, a drama actor is probably fine. But, she was awful in Carnival Row with Orlando Bloom. But again, she was awful again. in... She did, like, a period piece. It was, like, Anna Karenina, but it wasn't Anna Karenina. But it's like I Carnival I Row is, like, the old-timey version of Valerian. It's, like, it's <laughs> essentially the same film, the same thing. You know what I mean? Kind of, yeah. But, she was in Paper Towns, and she was bland in that as well. Don't get me wrong, the the Enchantress I didn't have that much of a problem with, but it was just it was just that why did she have to be the villain? And why what what were her like she was just being controlled by somebody else and then Yeah, yeah. There was there was But too in this much. she wasn't being controlled by anybody else. Oh yeah, no. In this she, she was just there she. like, nah, I'm just a bad guy. Like it would have made sense if she was being turned by somebody else. Yeah. Like, don't set up a one-scene love arc to then just be like, lol, JK, now she's a villain. But again, like, just it's got the nothing same... Nothing made sense. The same things in Suicide Squad as what we had in Batman versus Superman, where visually some parts were really cool. Like, the bit at the end when you've got the slow-mo and the rain and the gun and the, like, the cinematography of a lot of these bits is pretty sick. But again, like, it's, it's just failed by the screenplay and the and the plot and like if you just set enchantress up to have a different premise and a different you know and, and or maybe just not be bad and just be part of the suicide squad it'd probably be fine yeah like killer croc i love the fact that they did it practically and yeah he looked cool 
Well, but I mean, Jesus Christ, it <laughs> wasn't Killer Croc. <laughs> no, and I mean, you know what? Yeah, as far as makeup goes, this film won an award for makeup, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, this is the only one of these films that has won an award. I think it's won more Oscars than the MCU. <laughs> crazy. And like, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping, really, really hoping that we get a king shark at some point, and it is a big shark. I really like, wanted the Arkham Killer Croc. Why? Like, why was the El Diablo the one that got a fucking CGI version of himself? <laughs> why not? Just... And not Killer Croc. Why was El Diablo the CGI character? Why didn't Killer Croc just like lay an egg throughout the film, and then that egg evolved into the proper Killer Croc that we wanted? <laughs> I just want to see a male crocodile shit out and heck in the middle of a city that's getting blown up. Just, just why not? Like, why not just evolve him some way? Or maybe something happens to him or Enchant... No! That's what could have happened. Enchantress could have just put a spell on him, turned him evil, turned him into... And make him giant! Yeah, turn him into Alpha Killer Croc instead of El Diablo going bad. And then they managed to convince him or do something to then switch him back. El Diablo didn't even go back. It was the fake version of El Diablo, fucking Enchantress's brother that she was kind of making out with or something like that. Like, that was the bad guy, wasn't it? It was fake El Diablo. Yeah, Incubus. Incubus. I couldn't even remember. I forgot he was in the film until you just mentioned El Diablo going bad. And I was like, wait, he didn't go bad. Oh, wait, it was a different fucking character was in this I can't give any credit to myself for that. I watch movies in minutes on YouTube and recall up (laughs) on all these films. And it shows, it just kind of shows with these films that you can watch movies in three or four minutes and then still be able to talk about them, considering I've not watched the, them in ages. I think the only good bit of writing in this film Go watch movies was, in minutes on YouTube, by the way, he's really good. <laughs> I think the only good bit of writing in this film was the plot twist that um, uh, Amanda Waller was the thing that they had to extract from the city. Yeah. That was the only thing that kind of caught me off guard. I was like, oh, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. But and mate, especially the fact that she's just like, I'm just going to kill my entire crew of interns here. <laughs> These are probably unpaid interns. Let me shoot them in the back. But make <laughs> the stakes lower in a film like this. Make the stakes giant blue higher sky laser. in Batman versus Superman and Justice League and make them lower in Suicide Squad. Because why on earth would you have the same amount of stakes as what you had in Suicide Squad to Batman versus Superman? It's like there was more damage done to the general public in all of Suicide Squad than what there was in Batman vs. Superman. I'm, I'm going to take somebody else's reference for this. I can't remember who said it first because everybody said it since, but this film was literally just somebody walked into Hot Topic and threw it at the fucking wall. <laughs> That's literally what this film was. It's like, oh, this is edgy. This is comic booky and edgy. Like, this is like people wearing, like, fucking armbands all the way up to the fucking elbows or, like, striped socks, like, as gloves and shit like that. Like, that's what this film is. This film is dyed black hair with electric blue fringe with too many fucking My Chemical Romance badges all over your backpack. (laughs) And I'm allowed to say this because we were these kids in fucking high school. We were those kids. We were those kids. Like, so this film should have been everything we wanted, like, as a teenager. And we were so disappointed. We left the cinema and I I remember turning to you and, like, we always ask each other, oh, what did you think? And I was like, it was fine. I know one of our mates was like, that was dog shit. And I was like, it was eh. Yeah, it was Like, fine. by the time we drove home, like, in the short drive home from the cinema, we were like, that film was shit. <laughs> Didn't we watch this at midnight? <laughs> yeah, we went to the midnight fucking screening. And, like, sake. all the, all the, um, all the staff of the cinema were dressed up as different characters and stuff, weren't they? Like, you had, like, four different Harley Quinns. I'm sure people from my old work went and watched this as well. Anyway, that's a, that's a story for another time. That's a story for later. Um, as right. Maz Kanata said in Star Wars The Force Awakens. <laughs> Can we talk about a really good film next, please? Hang on, we've not rated these last few films, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot, right. I forgot about our rating system. <laughs> right, DC, DCU or DC Poo for uh, Batman vs. Superman. Um, 
Uh, DC Poo. Yeah. Well, it's we- got to be in comparison to these other films. Although, in comparison to Suicide Squad and Justice League, it's a DCU. Uh, I would probably say it had all the potential for being a DCU. But for what I we got it, in the cinema... It straddles the line, but yeah. it's definitely a poo. It doesn't mean I don't like the characters. It doesn't mean I don't like Ben Affleck's Batman. It doesn't mean I don't like Henry Cavill's Superman. It's just the film as itself was a DC poo for me. And okay, l- let me phrase it like this. It's a DC poo that I would choose to rewatch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, if it was uh, the director's cut or whatever. Yeah, and yeah I- like, I-, I could easily reach over to my left and be like, oh, I'll-, I'll put that on right now. Yeah. Like, I'll watch that right now. I'll give the same... Suicide Squad. I'll give the same to Suicide Squad. I'd like to see it redone, and... Are you excited for the sequel? Sequel, reboot, sequel? Uh, yeah, I think so, because I have, I have faith in... I have faith that a studio would let James Gunn do what he wants to do, where yeah. I feel like they had too much meddling with David Ayer's cut. I have, a, I have a feeling I would like to have seen David Ayer's version of Suicide Squad without it being all changed, because the thing is, if you change something too much, it's just too... You know, it's got too... It's too convoluted, isn't it? Yeah. So I would have liked to have just seen a single vision from him for that. So, okay. yeah, DC Poo for what we got. DC Poo is right. straight up. There's hey, no argument. Right, this is your favourite film. I'll let you talk about this one and then we'll... Uh... <laughs> this isn't my favourite film. It might be my favourite film from the DCEU, though. Yeah. Wonder Woman is hands down... <laughs> Wonder Woman is hands down the the most logical film out of all of these <laughs> it makes so much fucking sense all the characterizations are really fucking good things just make sense the visuals are stunning the character is understood and it actually did something to progress the genre and it actually did something to progress the character and it did something to progress fucking women in cinema thank you this is a film that works <laughs> this is a film that does justice to justice <laughs> this is a film that does justice to the justice league like the justice league would be even worse without all the fucking elements that wonder woman brings to it like gal gadot is just fantastic <laughs> do you want to say something now before i just start gushing however <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm How- sat at a desk changed my mind however <laughs> What do we get in this film, which is a failing of pretty much all of the other DC films? A big, grey, CGI monster thing at the end. And I understand that it was Ares. I understand that that was just what was going to happen. But... I kind of wish it didn't have to have all the big stormy shite that we got in Batman vs. Superman. I wish it was just a little bit... It just felt like this is a formula that works for the end of these films. Let's just put it into this film. Or the studio said to Patty Jenkins or whatever, no, it needs to be bigger, more grandiose, and we need more CGI, you know, in in there. We need to make sure the CGI team are doing something, not just the the glow of the whip and stuff like that. Yeah, okay, so... However, I do completely agree with you. I do completely agree (laughs) with everything else you said. Okay. I'm not shitting on Wonder Woman. So Yeah. No, I do agree with you. Like that final fight was like visually not the best thing to look at, but if you put the shot of Doomsday versus the shot of Ares next to each other and ask somebody who are these characters, they'll be able to tell you who Ares is. Like, he's a big fucking guy, a big suit of armour with big fucking horns, okay? It, that's what it looked like. Okay, maybe he had a moustache in this version. <laughs> and what Doomsday still... should have been was a big CGI Dude... monster with a load of horns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But instead, he was a fucking cave troll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the, the reason, like, that final battle still works is because it's a character-driven battle. Like, that battle is about Wonder Woman becoming Wonder Woman finally for the last time. Like, she understands her place in the world, and that scene is about her. Like, it's not about Batman versus Superman. This is a monster that we need to kill. Like, that final fight was literally just about Doomsday, and nobody cared about Doomsday. Whereas this was a, a final fight about Wonder Woman, and people gave a shit about Wonder Woman. Yeah. 
Yeah, I that's agree. why I'll say it works better. Yeah, I do agree with you. I do agree with you. It does have because you have obviously you know you have the mustard gas and you have that fake out where she thinks she's killed him, but then mm-hmm. there's there's just a bigger premise here, like how you think Ares is in control and Ares is in fact just kind of lended a hand, and then humans have just destroyed themselves through World War yep. Two anyway. And I liked all that. I liked all the, you know, the pacing and stuff of this. It was much better. Um, you know, it, it just felt more grounded, 100%. And can can we compare this version of Themyscira to how it's depicted in Justice League? Like, this is a woman depicting Themyscira the way that it should be instead of in Justice League. It's like, have you noticed how the armor in this all is all logical fucking armor for Amazons and stuff like that? And they look great and they get a chance to show the personalities and the strengths and everything like that. In Justice League, they're all wearing fucking bras and crop tops and and they're just like failing at everything. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> like like the way they're just depicted so differently, like this makes sense and it builds mythos and you care about the people on Themyscira. When Robin Wright's character, um, who does she play? Uh, uh, Antiope. When she dies at the beginning, like you give a shit about that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> like because you care about these characters. Yeah, you 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 just have more. Like it's just it's just what what the formula should have been for all the other films. It's just such yeah. a shame <laughs> that the other films weren't up to that same quality. Yeah, and like. There's just so many good bits of this film. When she's conquering No Man's Land, like, that was just, like, fucking iconic. Mm. Like, that is, like, a standout scene. In, like, a hundred years' time, when people want to explain what Wonder Woman is, they'll show that scene still. Yeah. Like, like, this is the version of Wonder Woman that I've always read. Like, this is how Wonder Woman has always been for me. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's always been one of my favourite characters, because she's fucking interesting like the female characters seem to have a lot more to say they don't just have to be fucking muscles in a suit like doing stuff like people actually have to like progress the characters so that people care and you know what it makes leads them to being more well-rounded characters (laughs) who would have guessed like like, people say like so I've heard people criticizing this film, saying like it was meant to be like this feminist powerhouse film, but then people are talking to it like this and doing stuff like this. Like well, um, that's the point, the, isn't it? That's the point yeah. that people oh. talk down to her and don't expect her to be able to do this sort of, you know, to do the things that she does. And then she proves it. She gets up onto no man's land, throws that shield down, and pushes into the German line so that the rest of the male soldiers can then follow behind her. Okay, right. So people's, like, biggest issue in this is, like, like, people were saying, like, before this film came out, it's just, like, women in action films like this, they're always just the love interest. So they're annoyed that she had a love interest. Why? Her and Steve Trevor are iconic together. Like, that is their storyline. Like, just deal with it. Like, just because she's a woman doesn't mean that she can't fall in love. Just because she's, like, a woman... Like and falls in love doesn't mean that she's not strong. People say like the whole bit with you know the guy that wears the fez. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I know um, what you mean. Um, and like he constantly is just like flirting with her and hitting on her and stuff like that. And then like when they first meet, he thinks he's better than her because like he can speak foreign languages and stuff like this. And like he's like more important and like she should just like like be swooning all over him and the fact that she puts him down with her words instead of punching him in the face which is what a male character would do is just proof that this is more of a female driven film made by women and it actually makes sense for a female character like people are annoyed because she doesn't deal with it the the way that a male character would but part like, if of... she dealt with it the way that a male character would, it wouldn't be a fucking feminist film, would it? Part... It would be a fucking male film. It would be trying to make female characters males, which isn't what feminism is. You need to accept that, like, this is... Ah! Part of addressing ah! the problem is showing that the problem is there in the first place. Yes. And, that, and like, that's what tackling happens. it the right way. Like, like, everyone, like, thinks, like, a feminist film nowadays, like, a woman should just kick a guy's ass. It's like, yeah, she probably should, but at the same time, she has to deal with it the right way, and the right way is not dealing it like a toxic man. Becoming a toxic man does not make women better. 
And, I, <laughs> and I'll be honest, I think in that respect, I think DC dealt with that a lot better than what things like Captain Marvel did. I think it, it yeah, yeah. I think they did a much better job with that. With I think Captain Marvel has good moments in it, but they're kind of not spoken about. Like the whole bit. Of, uh, we'll talk about Captain Marvel some other time, but yeah, like I think this film definitely does it so much better. And I think that's all Patty Jenkins and uh, Gal Gadot working together. Yeah, hundred percent. Ah, this this film is so good, <laughs> and and you keep doing the soundtrack because it's good and it works and people remember it exactly because like, you have those moments like, that you remember. If you hear that, it doesn't scream Wonder Woman, but now, like, because it comes in at such the right times, like, that is the sound of Wonder Woman now. Mm. When she starts kicking ass, like, it's just like... It's like, as soon as that happens, you get hyped because you know shit's about to fucking go down. Yeah, literally, literally. Right, we're going to have to finish it up, Chris, because you've got somewhere to be, don't you? I do have somewhere to be, but... So this is what? DCU or DCP? That's a DCU. It's okay. a DCU. Do you want to see the sequel to this? How excited are you for Wonder Woman 84? I'm really excited for Wonder Woman 84. I think, again, nailed it with the casting because you've got Pedro mm-hmm. Pascal in there. And you've yeah. got Cheetah. And Kristen Wiig. Yeah, Kristen Wiig, Cheetah. It's going to be sick. I'm really excited for Wonder Woman 84. I love the visual vibe of it as well, like... The whole eighties aesthetic to it just like works for like the version of Wonder Woman yeah, that we've and got her at the moment. Golden costume looks sick. Yeah, the Golden Eagle costume. Yeah, yeah it's going to be really good. It I'm looks really very pinchy. It looks like it like it would trap your skin a lot. Like you would have a lot of red marks or tiny little cuts on the inside of it. If there is not a joke about that in the film, <laughs> if, when yeah, she puts is... it on and she's just like you know, like in Wonder Woman where she's trying on like all the women's outfits in London and like she's like I can't move in any of these. Like she puts it on, she's like. Ow! Yeah, oh, that pinches. <laughs> literally, yeah, literally. Right, we're gonna have to finish it up there. For join us for next week for when we talk about the Justice League, Shazam, uh, Birds of Prey, and what else? Aquaman and Aquaman. Yeah, catch us next week <laughs> where we chat about that. Uh, for now, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Get Real Pod, and you can drop us emails at Get Real Pod UK at Gmail dot com. Forgot, forgot. The there we go. There. There we go. And you can just leave us a rate and review. It helps us out so much. Wherever you listen to the podcast, follow it, leave a rate and review, share it with as many people as you can. We really, really appreciate it. Um, Our numbers are growing slowly. We want it to just grow so much because you guys seem to enjoy what we're doing and we love what we're doing. Like, especially during lockdown, this has been such a good way to keep us busy and keep our minds occupied. I can't wait Um, for us to be able to do these again in person. (laughs) Yeah, to do it in person and also... To be able to fucking watch a new film. Yeah. Like, films have been limited lately. Like, we had The Five Bloods last time, which was so good to, like, cover. And then, like, now we're like, okay, we'll do some interesting little retrospectives and, like, other little things. We've got some funny ideas coming up in the future. Yeah, so, we had a yeah, couple, we had a couple of people. really good plans for a new kind of format episode as well before lockdown. But we'll yeah, yeah that, that didn't happen. When we can do that in person. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the two-meter distance in rule makes that idea very difficult. Yeah, we'll, uh, so, we'll, we'll tell you about it when we get closer to the time. But for now, take care, stay safe, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.